What's up, everybody? Welcome to Locked On Yankees, your daily podcast covering the New York Yankees. We are brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You can listen and follow for free on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and you can play Locked On Yankees on your smart speakers by saying play podcast Locked On Yankees. You can also follow us on Twitter at Locked On Yankees, and you can email questions or comments to LockedOnNYY at gmail.com. I am your host, Stacey Gotsoulias. I'm an author of Baseball Prospectus, and I run their local Yankees site, BP Bronx. In today's episode of Lockdown Yankees, we will discuss last night's annoying game. We'll talk about some pitching. We'll have more injury updates. I'll give you a hint. An outfielder may be coming back to save the Yankees' bacon. And finally, we'll take a trip around the league. Okay, first of all, who is Ryan Lamar and why is he such a pain in the ass? What gives him the right to do so well against the Yankees? He's barely a major league player who has 169 at-bats since his debut in 2015. And he doubled his career home run total last night from one to two. There's nothing more annoying than seeing your team beaten by some dude you've never heard of. And a lot of the White Sox players are like that. Some friends of mine were having a conversation on Twitter about the most annoying guys from the White Sox that you've never heard of until this series. Mine was Yolmer Sanchez, who's another pain in the ass. And for the second time this month, Reynaldo Lopez shut down the Yankees' offense, pitching seven innings and holding them to one run on five hits. CeCe Sabathia wasn't awful, but he wasn't great either. He gave up three runs in six innings. He walked two, and he struck out six. He and the Yankees, as a friend of mine on Twitter said, were doubled to death. Twice by that Lamar person. So the Yankees lose the series, and they fall a game back in the standings because, of course, Boston beat Miami because they're able to beat crappy teams. And again, I know the Yankees are shorthanded, but there are enough major league caliber players in that lineup who should be able to score more than one run. The only player in the Yankees lineup with more than one hit was Glaber Torres, and the Yankees only had six hits all night, which included a double by Greg Bird. Gardner, Stanton, and Hicks were a combined 0 for 11. As for the pitching, I already went through CeCe's numbers, which weren't dismal, but when the offense can't score, it feels like those numbers are more magnified for some reason. And the other Yankee pitcher to give up a run is Chad Green, who gave up a home run to, you guessed it, Ryan Lamar. AJ Cole and Tommy Canely pitched an inning apiece and struck out four, two for Canely, two for Cole. And I think the most annoying thing about last night's game is that the White Sox also only had six hits. Babe Ruth, I mean Lamar, had half of them. He also drove in all four runs. The difference was that the White Sox hits were mostly extra base hits. Four out of six were for extra bases. Jose Rondon also hit a double off Sabathia. And the only base hit, extra base hit that the Yankees had was Bird's, and it led off an inning in which the Yankees didn't score. He made it to third on a Torres line out to right field, but Gardner ended that inning with a ground out. 
the Yankees were one for six with runners in scoring position. It was just a bad and disappointing game, especially off the high of a walk-off win the night before. Now, a positive from last night is the bullpen's performance. Aside from Green's blip, the bullpen has been solid overall since the Yanks lost Chapman to a knee injury. And helping matters is the return of Tommy Camely, who, after a blip in his first outing, has looked pretty good. Zach Britton is settled in. And let's talk about Dellen Batances because he is unreal right now. He has 96 strikeouts so far this season, and he's four strikeouts away from reaching 100, which would make him the first relief pitcher in the history of the game to record 100 strikeouts in five straight seasons. He also recorded at least one strikeout in 34 straight games, which is an American League record. He surpassed Andrew Miller's streak set back in 2016 about, I think, eight strikeouts ago. And Chapman actually holds the Major League record with 49 straight games with a strikeout, which he set in Cincinnati, and the streak lasted from August 21st, 2013 to August 13th, 2014. Poor Giancarlo Stanton is stuck on 299 home runs. This is reminding me of Alex Rodriguez and his quest for 600 home runs back in 2010. A-Rod went homerless from July 23rd through August 3rd. Home run number 600 would finally arrive on August 4th at home against Toronto. He hit it to dead center and it lasted in, uh, landed in Monument Cave. That's my name for the new Monument Park. I don't mean to go on a tangent, but I will here just for a little bit. I, I have said this since the new stadium has opened. I feel like they built everything and then realized, uh-oh, we forgot Monument Park, and then just stuck it in center field underneath that restaurant. It's, it's too crowded. It's not pretty. You know, the old Monument Park, you could walk around, and it was really big and nice. And like I said, it looks like they forgot to put it in, and we're just like, oh, God, where can we put it? And the only spot was dead center. Ick. Does anyone else agree with me on this? I just, I don't like it at all. And Steinbrenner's plaque is too big. You can see that thing from space. (laughs) Anyway, back to milestone home runs. So when A-Rod hit his home run on August 4th, 2010, everyone was like, wow, this is weird because his last big milestone home run, number 500, was hit on August 4th, 2007, and was also at Yankee Stadium. So Stanton has four more games to do it at home because the Yankees are beginning a four-game series against Detroit tonight. J.A. Happ is going for the Yankees while the Tigers are countering with Francisco Liriano. On Friday, the matchup is Luis Severino against Jordan Zimmerman. 
Now, for some reason, the Tigers don't have a starter listed for Saturday, but Masahiro Tanaka is pitching for the Yankees. And for the finale on Sunday afternoon, Lance Lynn and Matthew Boyd will start. The Yankees are 2-1 and one against Detroit so far this season. They played in Detroit. Aaron Hicks had himself a pretty good series with his inside-the-park home run and regular old home run in the same game. Now, there's good news for the Yankees regarding the possible return of a Yankee outfielder. Find out who it is next. But first, so there's an outfielder recovering from an injury who may be on his way back to the team. It's Clint Frazier. Frazier, who's been on the shelf with post-concussion migraine headaches since July 19th, is beginning his rehab assignment today, Thursday. He'll be with Single A Tampa to start as he makes his way back to the Yankees. Now, Frazier would fill a void that has been taken by Shane Robinson, who isn't much of a player or contributor to the team right now. At least with Frazier, we know he can make contact with the ball. But the one thing he has to be careful with is the way he catches the ball in the outfield. His going all out to catch a ball is what got him into this predicament in the first place. But I'm not saying he shouldn't try to catch every ball heading his way. But he needs to look at his surroundings when he's out there so he can avoid rattling his head again. Concussions are no joke. Your brain is banging up against your skull. It's not pleasant when it happens. And with what we've seen from Frazier since his concussion, which was way back in April, you can think you're getting better and then have a setback as the migraines return. He's played 15 games this season combined between Scranton and the Yankees, and he is batting 265. So it's been a lost season for Frazier, and I think it would be a good thing for both him and the Yankees if he could make it back to the team during their push for the postseason. And speaking of a player returning and rehabbing, we have another update on Gary Sanchez. Sanchez was the designated hitter for the first couple of games he played with Scranton, but on Wednesday night, he was behind the dish for nine innings in a 2-1 Scranton walk-off win over Syracuse. Pitcher Mike King, who started the game for the Rail Riders, praised Sanchez after the game. These quotes are from Connor Foley's Twitter account. He's a beat writer for Scranton. So King said about pitching to Sanchez, a lot of it was actually his body language when he was catching, which is what I loved, where I'd hang a breaking ball and then the next time he called it, it was like he was tapping the dirt, getting really low, ready for me to throw it in that spot. And after King nearly gave up a home run in the third inning, King says, after that inning, Gary said, you've got the sinker in, no one's going to be able to hit a breaking ball away. He said, if you just get there, they're done. And that's what I was able to do for the next few innings after that. 
As for Sanchez's night at the plate, he went 0 for 4. But he could be back with the Yankees this weekend or by Monday, just in time for the Yankees' big road trip out west. Next up, Didi Gregorius, who is still recovering from his heel injury. According to Dan Martin of the New York Post, Gregorius ran lightly for the first time since suffering the injury on August 20th. Both Gregorius and the Yankees are positive that he'll rejoin the lineup soon, but Gregorius added that he will probably feel discomfort in his heel for the remainder of the season. He also said that it's nothing he can't handle. Let's hope so, because the Yankees need DD and his bat back in the lineup. The next injury update is Aaron Judge, and it hasn't changed much. He's still not able to swing a bat. He's still feeling pain in his wrist, and he says it's still sore to the touch. He believes he'll be back in time for the postseason push in September, but when in September is anybody's guess. The fact that his wrist is still sore to the touch is not a good sign, and the Yankees putting it out there that he could be back within three to four weeks was foolish, and they admitted to that, but that was just a really big mistake because the wrist is a, is a tricky injury. And if you're a Yankee fan, you have seen so many types of wrist injuries throughout the years. Uh, Mark Teixeira um, injuring his wrist. I think he tore something from his wrist. And way back in 2006, Matsui making that sliding catch and his hand bending backwards. Woohoo! That happened, I believe, in May of that season, and he didn't come back till the very end of August. Sheffield also hurt his wrist in May, and there was a third player that I can't think of, but they had three players hurt their wrists in the month of May that year. And then Jason Giambi, who was carrying the team on his back while all of these other guys were injured, ended up injuring his wrist in August of that year. So, yeah, we've all witnessed wrist injuries and the timing of them, the timing of when the players came back. And, you know, in 2006, the Yankees had a pretty potent lineup, but, you know, some of those guys weren't really 100% healthy and they were beaten by the Tigers in the first round. So next, we will talk about A crazy game that happened last night between the Brewers and the Reds. And look at some other stories from the rest of the league. But first, last night, the Brewers and Reds played an insane game that didn't even begin on time, thanks to a 27-minute rain delay. But by the time it ended, four hours and 16 minutes later, or 10 innings later, the teams had combined for 25 runs and 36 hits. There were four ties, five lead changes, and a couple of web gem defensive plays. Christian Yelich led the way for the Brewers, going six for six and hitting for the second cycle of the 2018 season. 
He became the fourth player in Brewers history to have six hits in a game and the eighth to hit for the cycle. He also nailed Eugenio Suarez at the plate to end the seventh inning. Suarez could have been the go-ahead run at that time, but right after that, in the top of the eighth, Mike Moustakakis hit a tie-breaking home run, and Jesus Aguilar hit the go-ahead home run in the top of the 10th. The Brewers actually played a 15-inning game five days ago at home against the Pirates, so 10 innings is nothing for them. But the win gave the Brewers a 500 record on the road. They're now 34 and 34. But I have to say, reading about this game and reading about the craziness of the game reminded me of the game between the Rangers and the Yankees back on May 16th, 2006, that ended up being a 14-13 win for the Yankees. I went to that game with my brother, and I'll never forget it. It was a Tuesday night, and I went straight from work to the stadium. The Yankees found themselves down 9 nothing in the second inning. And I had gone to the Yankees-Red Sox game exactly a week before that, and the Red Sox won like 14-3. to And at the time, I was a partial season ticket holder, and my seats were for Sundays. So after the Rangers scored those nine runs, I looked at my brother and said, I am never coming here on a Tuesday night. This is ridiculous. But the Yankees chipped their way back into the game. They scored one in the second, two in the third, two in the fifth, sixth in the sixth, one in the seventh, and then they scored two in the ninth to go ahead and win the game. I lost my voice that night because it was such a crazy game and Jorge Posada hit a walk-off home run to win the game. And even worse, in the top of the ninth with the game tied 12-12, Rivera gave up a double to Rod Barajas. Remember him? And Adrian Brown, who came in for Kevin Mensch, scored. Remember Kevin Mensch with his giant head? Yeah. So (laughs) Johnny Damon singled to lead off the ninth. Jeter grounded out. A-Rod lined out. And then Posada hit the walk-off home run. And when he hit it, I started screaming. And that's what caused me to lose my voice. But the game was so exciting that afterwards I was waiting for my brother to come back from the men's room. And I was leaning against one of the uh, banisters on the ramp. And this woman, I, I don't know, I must have had a look on my face. And this woman looked at me and she goes, this is one of the best games I've ever been to. And I said, right? <laughs> anyway, back to 2018. The Marlins, once again, pooped the bed against Boston. This time, they allowed the Red Sox to score 11 runs in the seventh inning alone. So the Red Sox are now seven and a half games ahead of the Yankees because of the Yankees not being able to beat the White Sox. The Dodgers are in the midst of a five-game winning streak thanks to Wednesday's 3-1 victory in Texas. So listen to this stat. Cody Bellinger, Manny Machado, and Yasmani Grandal hit home runs, and Yasiel Puig hit a triple. Those were the only hits of the game for the Dodgers. 
and they became the first team in Major League history to hit three home runs in a triple, but not have any singles or doubles. That's kind of amazing. And Alex Wood, who has not been great, had his first win in a month. He pitched seven strong for the Dodgers. Jose Bautista, who recently joined the Phillies, helped his new team get a win on Wednesday thanks to a go-ahead single in the seventh. But before that, Jake Arrieta only lasted three innings, but he did hit a two-run single to help his cause in the bottom of the second, but he came out and surrendered four runs in the top of the third to give the Nats a 4-2 lead. The Phillies ended up winning 8-6, and they are three and a half games in back of the Braves thanks to a Braves loss against Tampa. So the Braves and Tampa both scored three runs in the first inning. And the Rays tacked on, excuse me, the Braves tacked on two runs in the eighth. But that wasn't enough because in between, Tampa had scored a total of eight runs, and that's how it would end, eight to five. So Sean Newcomb picked up the loss, and Jalen Beeks, who came into the game for the third inning, picked up his fourth win of the season. As always, thank you for listening. This has been Locked On Yankees, which is part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your host, Stacey Gotsoulias, and you can follow me on Twitter at Stace Gots, S-T-A-C-E-G-O-T-S. And once again, you can email us questions at LockedOnNYY at gmail.com, or you can tweet us at Locked On Yankees. You can also rate this podcast on Apple and on Google Podcasts, and you can spread the word about this podcast to your fellow Yankee fans. I would love to have an influx of new listeners, so spread the word. Have a good day, everyone.